morning, everybody. It is so nice to see each and every one of you. And let me just say right now, blessed be the name of the Lord. Welcome to Robert Daniel Baptist Church. Today, the Lord's name, we should rejoice and be glad in it. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. Ask for a drop of your card. You'll find a funny place in the office. Let us come around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. Join us online this morning. We want to welcome you as well. Let you know that you are missed, loved, and prayed for, and we want to encourage you to be right here in the sanctuary with us, even tonight, experience what God is doing at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Well, do you know what today is? Sunday, amen. So, I, I, I am really amazed. I received a couple of texts last night, late into the night, 9.30, 10 o'clock, said, Pastor, are we going to have Sunday night service? And I was like, yes, we are. And they were like, why? And I was like, because God is more important than football. Amen? Not just that, but I don't care about watching the Chiefs play. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I know some of y'all are already turning off the channel right now. No, no, no. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. It is so good to see each and every one of you. Uh, let me just be completely straightforward with you. It has been about 10 or 11 years since I've watched a Super Bowl other than a commercial here and there. Because the commercials are the only thing worth watching nowadays. It's been a long time since Betsy and I have sat down and watched professional sports, not because there's anything against it, but because our attention has turned to something far more important, and that's Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to get involved in that as well. Let your heart go with Jesus. Let your heart walk with Jesus. Let your mind walk with Him. Be renewed in Him. And you're going to find out that the things in this world start meaning very little. Amen? So come and be a part of that. And speaking of what's happening at Robson Avenue, let me share with you a little bit about what we're going to be doing this week today. Of course, after services at 4 p.m., we'll have a ministry team meeting. Join that ministry team, plan to be there and be a part of that. 4.30, we'll have Katana practice in the choir room. If you're in the Katana, need to be there and be a part of that. 6 p.m., we will have our evening services. Uh, so come and be a part of that. And let me tell you, you don't want to miss that message. And so we're going to be trying something new as well. So come and pray for us in that and be a part of what God is doing at Robertson Abbey Baptist Church. Don't forget Monday night. At 6 p.m., we'll be having our Why Is That in the Bible Bible study. You're invited to come be a part of that. We took a look at Daniel uh, tomorrow night, so we want to see you there and see you be a part of that. Don't forget Tuesday, of course, our ladies' Bible studies at 9.30 and at 6.30. And then, of course, Wednesday, we're picking up with our normal Bible study right here at Rockland Baptist Church inside the sanctuary at 6.30, prayer service. Also been asked to remind you that Wednesday will be the last day to sign up for the ladies' quarterly luncheon. So if you're interested in that, Please sign up today or sign up throughout the week, but Wednesday will be the last day to do that. With that being said, we also have regular men's uh, Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30, and we want to invite you to come be a part of those things. Uh, but we do have special services coming up this weekend. We do have Saturday, men's prayer breakfast at 7 a.m. If you're interested in that, we'd love to see you there and be a part of that. It's usually well attended. We have wonderful cooks there, and you are going to be blessed when you get yourself some uh, sausage gravy, bacon, uh, eggs and, of course, our biscuits. It's a wonderful time of fellowship, and we usually have a wonderful Bible study this year. So come and be a part of that at 7 a.m. Saturday. The security team will be meeting this Saturday at 8.30. And then, of course, if you're on the administrative team, we'll be meeting quarterly, or excuse me, our regular meeting time at 10.30 in the admin office. So that's what's happening this week. Uh, but I do have a special announcement to share with you. The administrative team of Rock Valley Baptist Church has requested that we go ahead and call it special business meeting, and that's actually going to happen again on the last Sunday of the month, on February 25th, at 
6 p.m. we'll have a special call to business meeting. What this business meeting is in reference to is the putting up of a fence outside in our courtyard, way outside, uh, out there in the yard, if you will. A lot of church members have come up and reported that uh, our children are outside sometimes without a fence around, unsupervised, unsafe, and of course the, the foot traffic that goes through there, the vehicle traffic that's through that area has become alarming and concerning. And so what we have is a report for you on kind of fences we'd like to install, and we need your approval to do that. So we're going to ask you to start praying about that, and if you consider being a part of that special call business meeting, if you are a member of that group, come and be a part of that special call business meeting, February 25th, 6 p.m. Hopefully it won't take too long, so I think just about everybody wants to see a fence get put up out there, and we'll get started on that as soon as possible. So please prayerfully consider being a part of that. Also, want to remind you that that's Saturday as well, uh, the 17th, we'll be having uh, our chili cook-off, and that's going to be a lot of fun, and those proceeds are going to go to help support our Operation Christmas Challenge uh, in Beaver, so be a part of that. I understand it, it's going to be just a one-category judging, so you can make hot chili if you want to, or spicy chili if you want to. You can make exotic chili, you know, those people that like to put emu or deer or ostrich or alligator, whatever it is you put in your chili, uh, we're going to just judge it all as the overall best taste in chili. And that's going to be coming up on February 17th at 5 p.m. So make sure you come and be a part of that as well. I believe there's a sign-up sheet out there uh, as well. So make sure you sign in on that. Uh, and I think that's about it for our upcoming events for this week. Is there anything that I have forgotten? Yes, ma'am. Sure, come on up. Yes, ma'am. Questions on that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That sounds wonderful. Uh, in the meantime, I also want to express a heartfelt thank you to those of you that supported our youth group and our fundraiser uh, Friday night. Our live back and love. Thank you for that. Uh, your youth group did quite well in that. So praise God for that. Thank you for those who supported it. Thank you for those that planned it. Thank you for those that helped clean up, stayed behind, and those that set up. And that, that was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Ladies, you know who I'm talking to. There's about four or five of you guys who just worked so hard in that kitchen getting ready for that. God bless you and thank you for that. We 
thank you from the bottom of our hearts. All right. Unless there's any other announcements, I think that's how we go. Go once, twice, three times. Oh, amen. That case, let's go to the Lord in prayer. As we pray, we speak lies and welcome one another. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and oh, how we thank you for this day. Lord, it's a beautiful day. A lot of us go feel like, well, it's dreary outside, so I'm feeling a little ho-hum. Well, I pray, Lord God, that right inside you, you let your sun start shining, Lord. You let your spirit start moving, so we can get out of that ho-hum spirit, Lord, and into the spirit that says, praise the Lord, and so we can start worshiping you. And I pray, Lord God, that we will worship you in the spirit this morning. Reach out and touch us. Open our hearts to hear from you, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, for the evening we become the Lord's personal Lord Savior, Savior, Lord Savior. Be with those, Lord, who are at home, not feeling well. Let them know the love and pray for, bring the safety back to us. For those that are out traveling, Lord God, keep them safe and give them grace to come back home, Lord. And we pray, Father God, for those who will be joining us via online and for the first time here in Sanctuary, Lord, they will hear you and know, Lord God, your will for their life. We bless you and thank you and ask you, Lord, to go with us now to our worship.
God like Jehovah. You might want to remember that. If you would, make your way back to your seat, and we'll get started with our worship service. Faithful, faithful. we got some worship to do here.
one of the things that our pastors decided to do was they had a Super Bowl Sunday. Not S-U-P-E-R, but S-O-U-P-E-R. Super Bowl Sunday. We had a, a soup and salad and bread kind of fellowship afterwards, and uh, that was to kick things off. And then later on, uh, someone volunteered to stay back in the back and, and completely record the Super Bowl. And that's back in the days when you had to, we did it on VHS. Y'all remember that? And so, but the Super Bowl for so long, it took two VHS tapes to record the whole thing. And, but whoever did that, God bless his heart. What an amazing man to you know, sit there and do that. Recorded it commercials and all for us. You know, the commercials are part of that experience. And, but uh, when he had to switch out tapes, there was about a three-minute blackout. And a diehard football fan were angry at that. And he was like, well, uh, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I had to change the tapes out. I'll never forget how they treated that man for that. Uh, anyways, with that being said, I am so grateful to see you here for what you did this morning and grateful to see your commitment to God. And I will be just as pleased and just as proud, and know that means very little, to see those of you who come out tonight and worship the Lord your God. So I won't keep you here um, one minute past 7 o'clock. I'll let you out at 7 o'clock. So, uh, we'll, we'll continue with our normal studies in that. All right. Uh, we're in the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at something very interesting today called Transfiguration. And when we look at the Transfiguration, we're in Matthew 17, incidentally, if you don't know where we're at. Matthew 17. I'll actually be looking in verse 1 there to start things out. But, uh, We look at the Transfiguration, lots of questions come to mind. Lots of thoughts come to mind. And as we use that as a way of introduction about the Transfiguration, some of you might be saying, what's the end of the Transfiguration? Let's go to the Lord and pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we just want to thank you for your word. Your word, Lord, is quick and it's powerful and it's powerful. And we need to hear it. I pray, Lord God, we will cut down upon our hearts today, Lord, as we said in the word. It would be a discerner of our thoughts and intent of our hearts that we can anyone, Father God, that needs to come before you today and say, I've got to keep this out. I pray that today be the day where there will be repentance and revival and renewal, restoration and redemption and rejoicing. And perhaps that one, Lord God, that needs to come today and make you Lord of their lives. And let now be the time to save you. I pray, Father, you speak to us. You anoint us. You see the time drawing near, and you see the hearts of the people drawing closer. Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here is 
when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And the disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they did. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them and John the Baptist. Now this event, the transfiguration, is not told in the Gospel of John. It's told in Matthew, it's told in Mark, it's told in Luke, and it's told over the synoptic gospel. Synoptic is an interesting word. It means seeing with the same eye. And I know I don't want to bore you a lot with a lot of word teaching here this morning, but this particular story is told in those three Gospels, and they are very, very similar. Hence the word synoptic, seeing with the same eye. There's a few differences. But for the most part, they are very, very distinct. John, however, does not retell it. John kind of alludes to it a little bit if you're a first John reader, and you'll find out about him talking about holding and handling and touching and hearing the word of life. In light, obviously, the transfiguration. But Peter mentions it. He mentions it in his writing. Now, some of you might say, Pastor, I'm a believer that Mark, somebody that was led to Christ by Peter, and that perhaps Mark was then kind of taking notes from Peter and the Gospel of Mark would be Peter's kind of story. I happen to believe that as well. I happen to believe that the Gospel of Mark is Peter's account. What happened? But Peter addresses this personally. So look with me, Second Peter. In fact, you don't have to turn if you don't want to, but I encourage you to do so. I also encourage you to keep your fingers there in Matthew chapter 17. And look with me in 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's look, listen to what the Apostle Peter has to say about this transfiguration experience. Something that he got to see and behold with his own eyes. Look at me in verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Well, yeah, I don't know about you. But anytime I hear a cloud speak, I think I'm going to listen. Somebody say amen. Anytime the weather speaks, we should be listening. Did you know, before we go a little bit further, but did you know that God is giving us signs in the sun and in the stars and in the moon? And somewhere down the line, we quit listening to those signs. In fact, we put them aside and put them off as old wives' tales or fables, and we need to get back to listening to what God is saying. He has given us guideposts, and He has given us signs inside of the moon and the sun and the stars for us to know things about God. Peter's going to say, hey, listen here, verse 16, we do not follow cunningly divine fables. This is not a story that somebody made up. This is not some sort of put together and redone and redone so it answers any question fable. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. 
Look here in verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be on that mountain? Now the Bible doesn't tell us what mountain it is. Tradition tells us it's Mount Tabor in Israel, and that very well may be. But the Bible doesn't tell us. Verse 18 tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, We heard this voice which came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. There is much to learn from the transfiguration. And Peter gives us a lot of things to think about there. So let's begin this morning as we look at the transfiguration by observing Peter's description. Walk with me now and talk with me through this. Open your hearts. And as my old pastor used to say, he would say, come in close and listen to me. Y'all remember that? He'd say, go like this. And y'all would do that, right? Oh, I spent some time the past couple of weeks learning from a lawyer. And the lawyer gave all kinds of ideas on how to get your point across convincingly. And one of the things he said was, say things like, that makes sense. He would say things like, is that right? And he said, what's funny is, even if it isn't right, if you put that in there, is that right? Somebody in the crowd is going to say, yep, that's right. And they know it's not right. They just did it because he said that. He said, that's how I would win over a jury or win over somebody who's cross-examining. I thought that was hilarious. But there is much to learn from the transfiguration. There is much to learn from Peter's account of what he saw on that holy mountain, what he heard on that holy mountain. So let's begin by observing Peter's description. Are you ready now? Peter said, it's important to keep the order now. Peter said these things. Hey, when I was up there, it's not a cunningly devised fable. We heard it. We saw it. We watched what happened there. And so we need to keep the order correct. And this is the first thing we're going to learn from Transfiguration this morning. And if you're watching online, I want you to know that you too can experience God. You too can hear Him, see Him, follow Him, and be involved in what He's doing in your life. But the first thing you got to do is get off the couch and get back into church. Get back with God's people and get back in God's will. And that requires a commitment from you. Yes, that's half the problem in America today. And we have absolutely no commitment. We're not committed to anything unless it's the Super Bowl. So I say that. Now, Peter said, this is what happened. And I believe it's important for us to keep the order of what he tells us happened there. Notice that he says, we didn't follow anyone else. Not to any idols. We didn't follow them. We didn't look after them. We're in First Peter, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. Now, remember, he says, we didn't follow anyone else. And so if you're going to experience God working in your life, you're going to see God working in your life, you want to see God working back in your church, then we need to get back to where we are following the one and only true God, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? You want God working in your church, you want God working in your marriage, you want God working in where you're working at, then you've got to get back to following Jesus. And that means we've got to let go of what the world says is good. We've got to let go of what the world says we need and start grabbing a hold of what God says is good and what God says we need. And let me tell you, what God says we need is Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ. Peter says we didn't follow anyone else. That's the first part of understanding the transfiguration. Do you want to see who Jesus really is? Do you understand the transfiguration is about seeing the glory of God? It's about seeing something. If you're Jewish, called the Shekinah, the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God. 
That is seeing who Jesus really is. He's transfigured in front of them. They got to see what he looks like in heaven. Somebody get excited. When we go up there, we're going to see him for who he is. And his brother Mark just saying to us, that will be glory to the ages for me. Amen. That's what it's all about. They got to see this. They got to hear this. They got to hear God the Father say, this is my beloved son and whom I will please listen to him. How did they get to that point? Well, they followed nobody else but Jesus. That means they had to start cutting the bad things out of their life. That means they had to let go of the idols. They had to let go of the false gods. They had to let go of false teachers. They had to let go of brothers. Uh-oh. I don't stop to take your cow, didn't I? They had to let go of brothers. They had to start forgiving. You know what Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 6, he tells us, if ye don't forgive, ye will not be forgiven. Somebody say amen. How many of you know that is one of the hardest things for a Christian to do? See, we want, we want justice. We're humans like everybody else. Somebody does something wrong to us, we're like, God forgive them. Uh, I'm like this. I mean, amen in the Baptist church. God get them. But I want you to know, if you'll start putting the work in your life, would Peter put the work in his life? And it took a while. Peter has some problems. As you know, Peter's got some belief problems like we do. I love the Apostle Peter. The more I study the Apostle Peter, the more like Peter I am finding out that I am. Hard-headed, slow-witted, stiff-necked, foot-in-the-mouth disease, the whole nine yards. That's Peter. Apostle John. That's also just about every Southern Baptist there was. If you're sitting at home on a couch, go like this. That means amen if you were here. Peter said we've got to follow no one else but you. Think about this. We didn't follow anything else. We didn't follow anyone else. We cut it out of our lives. That means we let go of the grudges. We let go of the hatred. We got that secret jealousy. Let it go. It's poison to you and your relationship with God. You've got that secret little grudge. Let it go. It is destroying your relationship with God. Do you got that little annoyance when that person comes around? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not preaching to anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Let it go. It's killing your relationship with God. You might be one of those that says, I can't stand people. You better be grateful God doesn't feel that way. Somebody say amen. You better be grateful. You ever been one of those that said, I don't like you because of what I've heard? You better be grateful. God likes us even though He knows about us. Those things. Now, Peter reminds us of his account of transfiguration. We didn't follow anyone else. We followed Jesus. That's the first thing we need in our lives. If we're going to follow after God, we're going to make sure that we've got to do it the right way. How many of you know Jesus said, I am the way? I am the way. You want to follow God? Jesus is the way. You want to get right with God? Jesus is the way. You can't do it through some sermon series. You can't do it through some teaching. You can't do it through some CD or some self-help or some psychologist. Jesus is how you get right with God. Peter reminds us we didn't follow anyone else. Notice the second part we're talking about here. We're still looking at in Second Peter. There. He says he received glory. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus. So what's the second thing we need to do? Number one, we need to follow Jesus and Jesus only. The second thing we need to do is give the glory to Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? Give the glory to Jesus. That means 
that it doesn't belong to pastor, it doesn't belong to deacons, it doesn't belong to church members, it belongs to Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father. Give Him the glory. If you want to see God work, stop praising Him. Yes, give Him a hand clap. Stop giving Him glory everywhere in everything in every place you are. Give Him glory. You want to see God work? You know, Peter says, we saw it after that. We saw it. You know why they saw it? Because they gave the glory to Jesus. You want to see God work? Give the glory to Jesus. Do you want to see God work in your life? Give the glory to Jesus. You know what else he says? I'm looking at that through there. Second Peter there. He says, we heard it. All my years of pastoral counseling, the majority of people come in and say, God's not talking to me. I usually pull my fingers out of my ear and say, Excuse me? God's not talking to you. You've got a spiritual problem. And they would say, What do you mean I've got a spiritual problem? That means you decided not to listen. You have made a conscious effort, a conscious choice to say, I don't want to hear what God's got to say. People say, Well, how do I hear what God's got to say? Are you ready for this? It's going to be so simple, it's going to make you mad at me. Pick up your Bible and read it. God is talking. You have made a decision not to listen. You mean God speaks through His Bible? <laughs> How do you have to say what that means? You know it. Amen. Peter says, we heard God's voice. Do you want to hear God's voice? Then start following Jesus and Jesus alone. Start giving Jesus the glory and Jesus alone. Start putting your eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. And you will hear Him speak. Oh, church, are you tired of being out of God's will? Then start giving Jesus the glory. Start following Jesus only. Start keeping your eyes on Jesus only. And we will hear Him speak again. That's a transfiguration. Do we need to be transfigured? Oh, yeah, we do. We're kind of old and dead and carnal. And we're kind of stuck in our old ways. It's time for the church to be enlightened again. And it's time for the church to have some light again. And it's time for the church to have some life again. And we already know where life is. It's in Jesus and no other way. If He's the way, then we've got to come to understand He's the life. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Understand, life isn't some sort of philosophy. Life isn't some sort of teaching. Life isn't some sort of 12-hour CD service. It isn't a degree, and it isn't some psychologist. Life is a person, Jesus Christ. And if you don't have Him, you're dead. You're dead. We heard it, said Peter. Boy, that's just Peter's view. Could you imagine if we got John's view? Now you wonder why John didn't write about it, huh? Wonder what John would have to say. What do John talk about? You know, in Sunday school this morning, I want to encourage you to be a part of Sunday school. Right now, in Sunday school, we talk about faith. We talk about faith that changes, faith that works. And we learn the Hebrew word for faith. And And we learn that that word is a verb and not a noun. We learn that in Hebrew life, you're expected to be doing faith, not just calling on faith. You're expected to be acting in faith. Walking in faith, leaning on faith. In fact, the word anuma has inside of it that inclination, that part of the pun there. Some of you are going to catch it, but where you're leaning on. Anuma to be leaning on. And I want you to get the picture of John, the beloved disciple of God, leaning his head on the breast of Jesus. Do you see the picture? I know you do. Having faith, doing faith, being 
Let's get back to the transfiguration now. Peter, James, and John saw Moses and saw Elijah speaking with Jesus. I don't know about you, but that brings up all kinds of theological questions. Number one, are you ready for this? How did they know it was Moses? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah. Let me tell you, when you see Moses, you're going to know who he is, too. How do I know that? Because the Bible talks about that. Hey, wait a You've read the parables. I know you have. You've read the story. Do you remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? How did the rich man in hell look up into heaven and know he saw Lazarus? Because everybody knows everybody in heaven. There's no strangers in heaven. We, we are family. Yeah, yeah. Mom, just don't say it, baby. Don't do it. <laughs> Thank you, Stevie. Stevie said next time he's going to bust it out, right? Imagine at the end of service, we're going to have our family playing on the radio. Everybody knows everybody in heaven. And when they get a glimpse, into heaven through Jesus Christ who is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes unto the Father unless they come to the Son. They be known. They know exactly who He is. It's not because they had a Polaroid. It's not because they had the FBI wanted folks to say, you ever seen this man? You know, it used to be a joke when I was in Cotsville High School years and years ago back in the 1990s. We used to have our school library I had a friend of mine. He was a wonderful guy. He really was, but he was a book thief. He was. He'd go in the library, and the librarian would tell him, Get out of here. I don't kid you. She'd, she'd make jokes and say, I'm going to put a poster up that says, Do not take books out for this man. He does not return, Bill. So everybody will know. I want you to know, in Jesus Christ, you're going to know everybody. When you get to heaven, you're going to know mama, daddy, brothers, Sisters, you're going to know anybody and everybody to put Jesus Christ in their heart because we are one family in God. You're going to know them. You're going to see them. You're going to rejoice in them. I can't wait for the homecoming reunion I'm going to have when I get there. I can't wait to see my brothers. I can't wait to see my mother, my father. I can't wait to see my grandfather. I can't wait to see all of those who passed on before me from the Holocaust to right now. Sam Joshua coming home. I can't wait for that homecoming. Of course, at the same time, I lay in the bed saying, Not tonight, Lord. and the idea of those you know everybody in heaven. And that's how they knew who Moses was. Now, we don't really know what Moses looked like, but most of us have to think of him as big, long beard, white beard, don't we? We like to think of him like that. Maybe you've got the idea of the modern-day Jew in, his, in, in your mindset. You've got the long, curly hair hanging outside. Hasidic Jew. Green, hanging. You know, you know those pictures. And you know what I'm saying? What does Elijah look like? Well, the Bible gives us a description of Elijah. Let me tell you, nobody else fits that description right now. Nobody else fits that one. He's got that camel's hair belt. He's eating locusts and wild honey, and he is not a doubt. Eliyahu, that prophet, stood on Mount Carmel and told the prophets of Baal, If 
Baal be the Lord is fine. But if God be the Lord, then we'll see who is the Lord will answer by fire. You know the rest of the story. Now you begin to understand how they knew who Elijah was, how Moses, who Moses was. They could look through Jesus. What's startling to me, though, theologically, is Peter says something. I think Peter had to be, without a doubt, the beginnings of the Southern Baptist Church, and he just opened his mouth without thinking, Hey, let's build three tabernacles. Huh? Huh? How many of you know that Jews only build tabernacles at certain times? That's right. I saw the feast of the tabernacles. We don't build tabernacles. It's too much like work. Amen. You ever seen Jews? We don't like work. True. No. Here's the deal, though. He says, Lord, that's good that we're here. We'll build three tabernacles. And he's implying something. He's implying that I know Jewish. I know my Jewish background. I know my Hebrew upbringing. When the tabernacles here, we're supposed to be kind of the When Christ said, we'll build a tabernacle. Once Moses, once Elijah, once a Jew. And we'll have that the kind of glory that and that brings us to our second spiritual point. Now, first thing you already learned as we looked into Peter about how we can hear God speak again. Well, let's take a look at the second one. Are you ready for this? The second one about the transfiguration is pretty simple. Yet it's right there in front of us. Are you ready for this? God cannot be contained in a tabernacle. Somebody say amen. He can't be contained in a church. He can't be contained in a denomination. It's not denominations that control God. God controls His church and not the other way around. It's somewhere down the line. We started thinking like Peter saying, Lord, we'll just build you a house all around you and you better stay inside there. You know what I'm talking about? See, the Sadducees felt that way. They had the idea that God could only work in the temple. And let me tell you, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, the Sadducees just disappeared. That's why there's no mention of Sadducees in the Gospel of John at all. If you look through it, you'll see there's no... Where are the Sadducees? You're like, where did the Sadducees go? Well, buddy, they, they ran out of business when the temple got destroyed. Their belief was God could only work at the temple. What a bunch of morons. Amen. True. That'd be like someone saying God can only do things in the church. You can only get saved if you're in the church. Wrong. You can get saved anywhere you listen to God speak. How do you listen to God speak? You already got the picture of Peter. Stop following anything and anybody. Just go to Jesus. You already heard what Peter had to say. Give him the glory. Listen to what he's got to say. Here's Peter now. I wonder sometimes if he went back and thought about that. If he got Second Peter, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not writing that one in the letter. Let's go through tabernacle. He's like, I think I'm going to leave that one out. Let's build three tabernacles. I want to see the Shekinah glory. You're looking at the Shekinah. When you look at Jesus Christ, you are seeing the glory of God. Jesus. Let's get back to our transfiguration story. Look at me in Matthew chapter 17. No, we can run out of time quickly. I know we can have a lot of fun. Time goes fast when we're having fun. It's already almost pushing after. I know some of you are pointing to watch it. <laughs> Y'all see this? The sign I put out the other day on Facebook said the 1201 church crowd sitting in the future looking at the past life. Uh, Methodists are at Taco Bell. Look with me in Matthew 17, 8. This is really 
why this verse, this particular passage spoke to me. This is what really I wanted to express to you. Those other things are neat and they're all about young people and life and about following that Jesus and I want them to be a part of that. But man, I want to bring that to you. Look at me in verse 8. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus saw them. What happened to Moses? What happened to Elijah? Well, obviously, we can answer the question. They you know, went back up into heaven. They commanded to the Jesus. Understand the picture. It's a picture. It's the reason why that verse is there. They saw no one else but Jesus. That figuration is a picture. To understand that, we need to understand why was Moses and Elijah there before? In fact, that may be the question you've been having forever and ever. Why Moses and Elijah? Why not Enoch and Elijah? Somebody say, Amen. I know you've heard that question. Why not King David? Why not King Solomon? Why Moses and Elijah? Because Moses and Elijah represent something. They represent something, and you theologically already know what they represent. Howard Jesus alludes to it in that same parable we just talked about. Remember Lazarus and Lucas? Do you remember that story? I don't believe that's a parable at all because Jesus never gives names in parables. In this story, he gives a name. That name is Lazarus. In fact, he doesn't name the rich man, though, and that's because you know what the scripture says. If you don't know Jesus, he's going to tell you, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew. Well, he doesn't know his name. You know, Lord Jesus, and he's like, Amen on the Baptist church. You want God to know your name? You better know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, he will know you. You're not a child of God. You're not a son of God. You're not going to heaven if you don't know Jesus. You are a child of heaven. So why Moses and Elijah? And that same story that Jesus gives us. Remember the rich man cries up to Jesus and Lazarus, my family? They'll listen. They'll repent if somebody returns from the dead. Remember what I remember? And, he, and, and Father Abraham is the one speaking. And Father Abraham says, even if someone comes back to the dead, they will listen. They have Moses. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the law and the prophets. That's what Moses and Elijah represent. The law and the prophets. Moses, as we all know, is the giver of the Ten Commandments. And Moses is the picture of the law. No wonder they recognized Moses the first time they saw him. They heard about him from the day they were kids. Moses, Moses, Moses. You ever heard the old Jewish story? about this young Jewish kid. His family, his Jewish school gets closed down. He goes into public school for the first time in his life. And as he goes into public school, the teacher pulls up a $5 bill. And says, who's on the $5 bill? And of course, all the kids raise their hands and say, Abraham Lincoln. And the, the teacher then says, well, who's the most famous man in the world? Who's the most famous man in the world? Of course, the Jewish kid raises his hand. He says, yes, Lord Moses, who's the most famous man in the world? He says, Jesus Christ. He said, that's right. How did you know that being Jewish? He said, well, we really know it's Moses, but I just want the money. All Jews grew up knowing about Moses. And they know what he represents. The law. The Torah. They still talk about to this day. And Elijah represents the prophets. He's held by the Jews as the chief of the prophets. And so there's a picture of them being on the Mount of Transfiguration, talking with Jesus. And we don't know what they're talking about. But we can probably take a guess. 
we can also speculate to a blue in the face. Can we have time to live it? No. So we get to heaven. If God chooses, tell us about it. You've got to understand, Jesus has to fulfill all the requirements of the law. Jesus has to fulfill all the predictions of the prophets. Now, knowing that little bit of knowledge, maybe you know what they were talking about. Moses says he fulfills and Elijah says, He fulfills everything. So don't miss out on verse 8. Verse 8 actually had something to say. When they opened their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. No one but Jesus. Why is that so important? Because it has a picture. Because Jesus is so fond of making Because I am so fond of making a word picture. You understand the picture? The picture is that Moses didn't laugh. Are, are you hitting me? Elijah didn't laugh. Jesus did. But Jesus did. And you might be saying, oh, Pastor, I've been trying to be righteous. I've been trying to do right things. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to be legal. You're trying to be someone who keeps the law. Let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. You can't keep the law. In fact, if you could keep it, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ. The truth is, you can't keep it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how righteous you think you've become, you are still guilty like the rest of us. And the Bible tells us we've all sinned, every one of us. That's all the short of the glory. And that's why Moses wasn't there when they opened their eyes. Because Moses can't compare to Jesus Christ. Because Moses can't stand to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is greater than Moses. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one, this Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who built the house is more honor than the house. I want you to know that Jesus is greater than Moses. And Moses can't stand in that presence because Jesus is far superior. Great outlives the law. It always has, it always will. And when they open their eyes, the law and all of its glory, the law and all of its righteousness was not there. It's not enough to take you on to heaven. It's enough to let you see God, but it's not enough to keep you in the presence of God. Only Jesus can do that. Oh, but it wasn't just Moses. It was also Eliyahu. It was also Elijah. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 1, let's read verses 78. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers, his prophets, his servants, a flame of fire. You know, they all knew about Elijah. He had that reputation of being a flame of fire. Oh, Elijah. You know, John the Baptist had the same kind of reputation, didn't he? Always think of this big, burly man with a really loud voice. Pastor might be a brother Josh, amen? But look at me in verse 8. But to the Son... To Jesus, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. Those prophets aren't going to last. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us, Well, their prophecies, they shall cease, but love will endure forever. And God sent his love to Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the 
Amen this morning. That's the When they open their eyes, the righteousness of law to provide is gone. The righteousness of prophets to provide was gone. And the only righteousness that would ever last, Jesus Christ was still standing. Pastor Day, Pastor, that's Jesus I still hope so. That's what I prayed for this morning. I've been praying for you specifically for you that you would let go of trying to be self-righteous and grab a hold of Jesus. He's the only one who can make you right. He's the only one who can give you life. He's the only one who can show you the way. He's the only one who can give you truth. That truth is not something you hold. It's not something you learn. Truth is a person. Life is a person. Jesus Christ. The way is a person. Jesus Christ. Open your eyes. All the time. What does that mean for you? Right now, you might have been closing your eyes through the whole sermon because you're speaking to me. He's reading my mail. I've been trying to get right with God. I've been trying to do things right. Last night, I dumped my alcohol down the drain. Last night, I threw my drugs out the window. Last night, I cleaned the cash on my phone so I didn't have to look at pornography anymore. I'm trying to do right. But you know what? You can't do right. You're going to come right back to it because you need to be born again. You need to be remade. You need to be renewed. You need a new life. And you can't do that until you come to Jesus Christ, the only one who lasts forever. Transfiguration. Would you be willing to come to him? Perhaps the old pastor, I am a Christian. And like Peter, though, I said, let's build some tabernacles. You know, maybe you weren't doing it in the spirit of Peter saying, we can contain God. But you did it in the spirit of mom or dad saying, this is God's time and this is our time. And you go like this. Are you dreaming? Yeah. And what you're trying to do is contain God. God's time's over here. Let me tell you, God supersedes anything in God is more important than anything. And let me say it again in case you missed it this morning. He's more important than the Super Bowl. Yeah. Perhaps you're trying to contain him in a particular Bible study, in a particular time in your family. And other than that, well, it's not God's You know, I grew up in a different kind of household. Let me take something interesting. You may not know this about me. My family did not eat pork for obvious reasons. But we did have bacon. When I got, oh yeah, when I got old enough, actually, one of my mom said, You said we don't need pork. Why don't we have bacon? Bacon pork is good. It's not good now. It's true. It's true. But I tell you, it doesn't matter what you do, name sin. It doesn't matter what you call You might be trying to say, Oh God, you can't be here. Just be the only time for God. It's the only time for God. No, no. What you do is say, Let's go to the time. Don't that God has told us He doesn't settle for parts of people. Perhaps the old pastor I'm looking for a home church. This is where you need to be. You need to come to Perhaps say, Brother Josh, I need to surrender to him and be baptized, wherever the case may be. I'm going to give you the opportunity to come and be a part of that. Let's close in that word, friends. Just help us to you and surrender yourself this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. And oh, how we thank you, Lord God, for your word. I ask you to take charge even now. If there be anyone that needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior, for anyone that needs to get their walk right with you, for anyone, Lord God, that needs to be a part of Robertson Athens, would you let they do that? We bless you, praise you, and give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Would you come with me, Have that own way. Would you come this morning? 
God bless you all. Hope you've enjoyed your time of worship here with the Rock Band of Baptist Church. Don't forget, we'll be meeting today at 6 p.m. right here in the sanctuary for leading worship. Come be a part of that. I will let you out at 7 or slightly before 7 so you can finish the Super Bowl, if that's your thing. Uh, also, if you're on the ministry team, 4 p.m. Child practice, 4 30. Hope to see you guys at that meeting. Let's close in that word of prayer, and I'll see you guys later on. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Frank Knight. Would you close us in prayer time, sir?